0: The In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Podcast. Please like the podcast Podcast. and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again?
1: when the mood is right a poetry journey and mood swings by queen p available on amazon and all good bookstores the royal affair by queen p dim the lights sit back relax and
0: breathe you have entered into the royal affair queen p poetry podcasts available now 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 the royal affair The very best way to promote your podcasts. Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information, visit podpage.com. The future of podcast promotion. Get ready for takeoff.
1: Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is an Army veteran, national wrestling champion and author, American Donald Skip Mondragon. Hi Skip, welcome to my podcast series. How are you? I am well, Nigel.
0: Great to have you here. Where are you residing at the moment? I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the great Republic of Texas. And did you grow up there? No, I did not. I'm a Colorado native, the Mile High City, Denver.
1: Well, I understand you've served in the U.S. military. How long did you
0: serve and what did you do? We served in the U.S. Army for 26 and a half years, and I'm a physician. So did you see any action, even though you were a physician? Oh, absolutely. I was deployed 37 months, and I also spent 30 months in combat zones. Oh, and whereabouts were these combat zones? Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and then two tours in Iraq. Okay, and what years were they? So, 1991, they're doing Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and then 2003, 2004, the first time in Iraq, and then again, 2010 to 2011.
1: So, when you were in the Army, is that when you became interested in wrestling? Because I understand you're a bit of a wrestling Connoisseur.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I got involved with wrestling when I was 13 years old. So, how did you become involved or interested in wrestling? I was typically the smallest kid in my class growing up. I was bullied and I was pathetic at sports. I couldn't throw, catch, kick a ball. I could barely run or jump. I failed miserably. In fact, we'd go out to the playground and choose teams, and by default, I was the last kid chosen. And this chorus would go up, ah, why does he have to be on our team? I tell people I even failed at tetherball. So any endeavor that I tried athletically, I was fatty. But in eighth grade, I discovered wrestling. Now, what I didn't mention is I was also bullied. So I discovered wrestling. It was the first time I ever had this sense. I think I can be good at this. And after a few practices, I think I can really be good. I was the only eighth grader to make the varsity team. And guess what? The bull. Bullies left me alone. Years later, my brothers and I would joke and I'd say, Where were the bullies then? Bring on the bullies. Because I was a small guy, an 85-pound wrestler, the lowest weight class. But the bullies left me alone. And that began my love of wrestling. It took me two years to win my first match, but I had an illustrious high school career, graduated as an honorable mention All-American, had won many state freestyle tournaments, The one of the international styles, one of the Olympic styles, placed into national freestyle tournaments, and then wrestled some afterwards, and even after college, did well. But then I got the bug at the age of 56 in 2012. And I asked my 18-year-old son, who was a wrestler, had finished his high school career, If he would train with me and he said, "Okay, dad, but you're going to have to do everything I tell you. Now, what 18 year old son would like to be able to tell his dad? Might have been payback. (laughs) So my son, Joey, became my training partner, my trainer and my manager. And we worked hard for a little over seven weeks.
1: Well, I understand you have a title for wrestling. So when did you win that?
0: That was in 2012. And what type of title was it? It was in the Veterans uh, Freestyle Wrestling. And I was in the oldest class, but the lightest weight class. It was 57 kilos. So how old were you when you won your championship? 56 years old.
1: That's very impressive. I understand in the past you have suffered with depression. When did that happen?
0: That began a downward spiral in the summer of 2013. I began to experience insomnia, and I was preparing to retire from the Army at the end of 2014. So there were a lot of things going on in my Department of Medicine. There were some issues with our cardiac catheterization lab and the dialysis unit that were going to affect patient care and also graduate medical education, the training of our residents and also of medical students. I took it personally, albeit I couldn't do anything to have changed it. And then, as I mentioned, the insomnia, and that was getting worse. I started having these negative thoughts. You're a failure. What's wrong with you? I started becoming indecisive and losing my confidence. And then over a period of seven months, I underwent three surgeries. And why the delay? I was taking care of everybody else at my own detriment. And each of those surgeries was fraught with complication. And with each surgery, it threw me out of my normal routine. My... Regular intense exercise, my healthy diet got altered and it further compounded the insomnia. And so my mood kept growing bluer and bluer, the lack of confidence, shame and guilt, uh, this indecisiveness, as I mentioned, and it just kept spiraling down and down and down. And on the morning of April seventeenth, 2014, normal day. I left work early because I always got up real early, about 515, groomed real quick, jumped into my uniform, had a short devotions, had a healthy breakfast fixed by my sweetie. She handed me my thermos and my lunch bag, had a nice long kiss, prayed for each other. And I was out the door, drove to post, walked in empty corridor down to my office, unlocked the office, turned on the lights, put my lunch away, opened the, my office, stepped in. And then I turned off the lights, locked the door, closed the blind, turned off the phone, curled up under the desk in my off-musty carpet in a fetal position. For four hours, I asked, Skip, what? Who is? And I'm thinking to myself, how could this be? I'm a tough guy. I'm a national wrestling champion. I've been in the Army at that point 25 years. I'm a colonel. I'm the chief of my department. I've been in combat zones for 30 months. I've endured a lot of hardship in my life. What's going on? And it took me four hours as I'm mulling this over. And I become this observer participant, asking myself over and over, what are you doing? And then finally, it dawns on me. I can see it clearly. Skip, you're depressed. Go get help. And that was the turning point. And I went and sought help that day. And that began a long journey to recovery.
1: So, how long did it take you to get back to yourself?
0: That was April. So, really wasn't feeling like myself till fall time, late September, early October. I was feeling much better.
1: How did you actually deal with it?
0: I started seeing a therapist. That day, I saw a clinical psychologist, who did a thorough evaluation, and then I was seeing a clinical psychologist every week for matter of months. And then that spaced out to every two weeks and then every three weeks and once a month until I left the army. I was seeing my, I saw my primary care physician who did a thorough evaluation and started medications for depression. And then I was seeing a psychiatrist who adjusted those medications. So I tell people I saw the A-team that was taking care of me. I received amazing care.
1: I'm glad to hear that. So do you think there is a difference between how men
0: and women cope with depression? Oh, yes. Women, number one, will talk more about what they're feeling. They're also more likely to seek help. Women also have a better understanding of how they're feeling. I've been doing some research and reading, and there was a concept that was coined by a Richard F. Levant, a clinical psychologist, and this was back in the early 2000s, and he coined this concept called normative male alexithymia. And what it is, it literally means emotions without words or the inability to put words to how we're feeling. And so that's part of the problem. Women know how they're feeling. They're in touch with their emotions. As men... We're socialized, that we've so suppressed our emotions that we have lost touch with how am I feeling? And so for many men, many of us, we grew up that what were the acceptable emotions? Anger, elation, and not much anything, and aggression, not much anything in between. So all those, uh, if you will, negative, and I don't know if that's appropriate, but sadness, confusion, fear, rejection loneliness. We didn't know how to identify that first or how to express that. So that was one, one problem, I think, in, w- amongst men. I think the other is that men cope with that more by substance abuse, by self-medication. Risky behavior is another. There's studies that have been done that show that out of the mental health appointments, two-thirds of those are made by women. Suicides you know, men. Can, complete suicides, three to one compared to women. You know, far more women attempt suicide, but it's the men at the ratio of three to one who die by suicide.
1: The suicide rate for men is two thirds plus higher than it is for women. But going back to your comment about socialization, I just think as boys generally, regardless of race, regardless of culture, boys are not brought up to express their emotion. They often get told- Big boys don't cry. Oh, you know, man up! And there's a phrase I know well. It's called guy code. So guys tend to talk about certain things. So they'll talk <laughs> about sports, or they'll talk about cars, or they'll talk about work. Anything except how they're actually feeling. Often because they don't want to be judged by their peers or their friends. They don't want to be seen as being less masculine or being weak. So they bottle, you know, they bottle these things up. Childhood friend of mine, actually, he was in his. Early 50s. Oh, and um, he just went to a car park one day, high-rise car park, just stepped mm-hmm. off. And at the other end of that scale, I also had a colleague I worked with and her son, who was 25, 26, he committed suicide. He was working, he had a degree, had his own home. He mm-hmm. spoke to his mother every day. She didn't have a clue he was down or depressed or anything. So oh. it came as an even greater shock to her, sadly, when, when it oh. all happened. Anyway, Skip, you're an author. What is
0: your book called and what is it about? My book is entitled Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps. And I wrote this as I began to recover. Well, the genesis of it was as I began to recover from my depression. I was actually still really struggling and my brother, Chris, my youngest brother, called me very excitedly. He had been to a Bible study with evangelist Franklin Graham. Franklin spoke to a group of men in Raleigh, North Carolina, about suffering, in particular the suffering of Christ upon the cross. And the gist of it was, if Christ suffered so brutally upon that cross... Why do we think we're immune to suffering? And up to that point, my prayer all this time, nine months and into my recovery now for six weeks or so had been, Lord, please, please, please deliver me from this darkness. But after Chris shared with me, it brought to mind this scripture in Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter three, verse 10, where Paul writes, oh, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I knew you well. I had prayed this scripture multiple times, maybe hundreds of times over the decades that I walked with Christ. But in my suffering, I wanted to deliver But over two days, my prayer shifted from, Lord, please, please deliver me to, Lord, what would you have me learn? And how might I use it to help others? And with that, I knew I was going to have to share my message. I didn't know when exactly. So I began to write down what I had learned and the lessons I was learning with the intent of sharing it. So before I left the Army, I got to share with the hospital staff on two different sessions, the lessons I learned, my own story, and the lessons I learned regarding depression and recovering from depression to encourage others. If you're suffering, don't suffer in silence. Go get help. And here are some things that I learned along the way to help me. And that became the genesis for my book a matter of years later. Between that time, I've had the opportunity to speak on many occasions to groups, large and small, many podcasts. And in the book, it's written in layman's terms. It's written to men who are currently struggling with depression. It's written in short, easy to read chapters and is written with lots of practical advice that men can put into practice today to help them in their recovery from depression, but also to help them maintain their health. And well-being. So what other activities
1: are you involved with?
0: Well, local church, my wife and I are very involved there, but Toastmasters, Toastmasters International, I'm a distinguished Toastmaster, which is the highest educational level of Toastmasters. And this spring, I'm one of the co-chairs of our virtual auction committee, which has been a lot of fun putting that together. The other things that I do, I'm involved with a course right now, working on a TED Talk for the TEDx stage. And the intent of this is to have a TEDx talk that's prepared, to have a game plan, to market this once I give a talk, and to determine what stages I want to apply to and apply to those stages upon completion of this. That's the focus of this. And this month, with my book, because it's National Mental Health Awareness Month, as you No, I have set the goal to try to sell enough books that with the proceeds, I can raise a $1,000 to donate to NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. That's what I'm working on at present. So Skip, how can people contact you? People could contact me most easily on my website at com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at at Skip, S-K-I-P-W-N-W. Skip in Dallas, USA. Thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Nigel. Thank you, sir. Please follow author Nigel Beckles' podcasts on Anchor, Amazon Audible, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms. Thanks.